This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, today being the start of, as Pastor Dave said in the announcements and everything, the start of the holiday season, you know, as Christians, our lives should, and most of our lives do revolve around Jesus the whole year long. And we know that as, as, as believers, the number one most important thing in the, in the whole, in our whole life and in the whole earth shouldn't be what kind of healthcare insurance you got, who you vote for, but it ought to be as your life being a witness to people around you so they'll receive Jesus. And you know, I think about what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter six, that we put the kingdom of God first. All these other things are added to us anyway. The health care, the jobs, the pensions, the promotions, the raises. Number one thing is Jesus first. And so as, as a pastor, as a spiritual father of the people of this church, I love to honor God's children. You know, I think about all the things going on here this morning, all these tables set up, all the cooking, all the stuff going on, and things you can't see right now, all the different children ministries that are taking place in classrooms and things like that. I look at all the praise team up here, the different instruments and all they're doing. Look at all of you, all that you do. And churches don't just happen by themselves. It's people. And, you know, I think a lot of times when I'll tell somebody what a great job they're doing in the church, they'll say, oh, oh, it's not me, it's God. No, it's not. It's you and God. He said, we're laborers together with God. And, you know, I think about a story I heard one time about this guy that had this old rocky rocky uh, farm-type place, and he'd, he'd, he'd worked at it for years, got the rocks cleaned out, everything cleaned up, and had a nice, beautiful, wonderful crop coming up, and some guy could walk past and says, man, look how God's blessed you. And he said, you should have seen what God had it by himself. You know, that's, that's the way life is, that God can't do anything without us, and we can't do anything without God. God uses people. And our church's mission, we call it equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. And so as believers, as a church, and as an individual believer, God's got a couple things on your life that he's got his plan for every Christian to do. Number one, we're to be soul winners. Number one, we're to lead people to Christ. And as a church, our number one thing is to get people's names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then number two, as a believer, you individually, as a church, our job is called to make disciples of all people. So it's not just getting people led through a prayer of salvation. It's discipling people, growing them in the things of God, the Word of God, so they can turn out to be productive Christians themselves, become soul winners. At disciples, we all ought to be reaching out to somebody all the time, other Christians to help to help minister to them and help them grow and be strong. After they get knocked down, to help them get picked back up and keep moving, and then we ought to be able to help transform them in to being disciples of discipling other people. Amen. And so anyway, today today we've been looking. Go ahead, and give the Lord a hand. We we we've been wanting to get in a really good. Ministry of Helps uh, awards time, honoring people for a while. So, man, just so many things we do here. We finally said, man, what a great day to do it, but Thanksgiving. We'll just do it and make the whole service. Being thankful for the ones God has sent here to help us do what he's called us to do. But I'm going to read a short passage of Scripture. Then I'm going to turn it over to Mrs. Pastor. She really is, man, she just causes so many things to work in this church. And she really put this, most of it together, all by herself. And she has a lot to do today. But I'm going to read first. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12 of the New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians 12, 
starting at verse 12, the New Living Translation. And God says it better than I can. I always like to put his word first. So here's what God says about the worldwide body of Christ and then about the local church. This covers everything. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. We've all been baptized in one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And so what God's saying there, and you know, I just want to say for the body of Christ to get to get God's message, God's the one that made Asian people, Hispanic people, black people, white people. God made all the colors, all the races, and God says that's just the outside 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 house you live in he said when you're baptized into christ when you're born again christian of christ says your package on the outside may look different but on the inside you're all the same you're all called christians you're all the family of god and so the devil's always had a thing that's been his favorite tactic it's called divide and conquer he wants he wants uh race wars he wants he wants wars about you know you think about it the white people, black people, Mexican people, all the stupid, corny jokes people bring out about all the races and stuff like that. That's not God. He says we're all one in Christ Jesus. And so if we as Christians will start recognizing, praise God for our heritage where we came from. But it's not where we came from that counts. It's who we are now in Christ that counts and where we're going when we die. Amen. And so that's what he's saying right here. And that's what we want to do as, as a church family. We want to bring people into unity. And so he says, yes, verse 14, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. God has put each part just where he wants it. And so you've got to recognize God's the one that calls you to a specific church family. God's the one that already has planned out where he wants you to go to church. And God has churches planned out for who he wants to pastor, what part they have in the community. And I want to say this again for, for the high desert at Barstow. I think we're the best church here. But there's a lot of great churches in Barstow at whatever church you go to, God's put you in. You better think you have the best church. Because, see, if we if we have the right attitude about the family God puts us in, and then the church is all recognized, we're in this thing together to win this community, then God's going to get glory. Amen? But we have just give the Lord a hand for High Desert Word Center. We are a good church. But you know what? The Baptists are having a great service today, and they're a good church. And the Assemblies of God. And the Foursquare. A lot of great churches here. But the bottom line is, we're all in this together. And we want to get people born again. Amen. And so it says, it says, uh, but if our bodies, verse 18, have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet. I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable 
are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the most honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together, such as that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And so, before I turn this message pastor, I just, I just want to give you an example of how the Lord showed me how this works uh, one time. You know, like in our church, we have a lot of things going on right now you don't see. You know, you think about the media going up there. Take somebody to put those things on there and to push that keyboard and make it work. That's not my job. I can't do it. And we got the ushers do all the things they do to make things work, to keep things decently in order. That's not my job. I don't do it. I have a part to play in the church, but I couldn't do my part if these other parts weren't functioning. Well, one of the first times I taught this back when I was a baby pastor back in Indiana, the Lord had me teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It just so happened about a week before that, one of our older gentlemen had had a stroke. I was out visiting him in the hospital, and parts of his body weren't working. He was having trouble talking. He was having trouble moving his parts. He couldn't do, but his insides were alive with God. And he had still had the same guy on the inside, but his body wasn't working right. Well, as as I was looking at this message on a Sunday morning, Mrs. Pastor just made me some bacon eggs. I said, there, my Bible open, reading this passage, and eat my bacon eggs. All of a sudden, the Lord showed me how this works in a church. He said, your eyes see that coffee cup sitting there, and you smell that bacon, and you see that eggs. But if your hand wasn't working, you'd look at it. You couldn't do a thing about it. And said, so now your your taste buds are starting to do what taste buds do. I was starting in my mouth. My mouth was starting to water thinking about that bacon. My mouth was smelling that bacon and that coffee. And I was thinking about James out the hospital. I'd just been out there. And James had food there, and he kept trying to move his hands, but they wouldn't work to get it. His eyes were seeing it, and if his taste buds were working and his sinus was working to smell it, he saw that, but he couldn't bring it to pass because hands wouldn't move bring it up there as I look at that I was thinking man that'd be terrible if I was sitting here Mrs. Pastor did all that work got those bacon eggs and coffee together and my hand wouldn't move my nose was smelling it my eyes were seeing it and I wanted it but I couldn't do it well that's how a church is God lets a pastor see what can be done to reach your lost families you got those people on your job you've been witnessing to and you want to get them to church, and the pastor said, I can't wait to get those people here to help them. But then, if we didn't have Sunday school teachers, I'd look at what I could do, but I couldn't help their kids because that part wasn't working. Or I'd think, the praise team brings in the anointing of God. At that day, we had two or three singers didn't show up. At that day, Tom decided from the sound booth that, Oh, today's the big football day. Oh, the day's the big game day. I can't be there today. And you brought your lost loved ones in here, the people you work with, and you think, man, it's going to be good when the worship starts up and the anointing comes in. I know God's going to speak to their hearts. And so we're seeing that, but all of a sudden, my hands aren't moving. My body's wanting to do something. I see it with my eyes, and I can hear it with the eyes, ears of my spirit, 
to what God wants to do today, but all of a sudden, we have one person up here on the platform, and everybody out here is singing out of tune, because they're following how I sing, because I don't bring in the harmony with my singing. And so, if I didn't have music to cover up my singing, and all they heard was me, then your person comes in that you brought that day, you've been trying for a whole year to get them to come to your church. They came that day, and the church just had a stroke, because none of the parts are working. We see what God can do, and God says, yeah, I can do it. But the Bible says, we're laborers together with him. We work together. And so, we're all not an eye. We're all not an ear. We're all not the smelling part, the tasting part, the touching part. But right now, I'll guarantee you, you don't want to see me up here in my underwear and my shirt. Because I have uncomely parts and fat that's hidden that you can't see. We have them covered up. But my stomach is important to me. Amen. My parts are important to me. Your parts are important to you. And you don't see them all the time. But I'll tell you one thing. If your stomach starts malfunctioning, then all of a sudden that part nobody sees becomes very important. Or if your lungs started malfunctioning, you never see them, but they're important. You never see Tom sitting back there. I'll tell you what, if that sound malfunctions, everybody knows it. Amen. And the same thing with every little part in this church here. If all of a sudden the nursery was missing parts of the nursery today, you had all those babies out here. We love the babies. And we want to bless the babies. But if the babies are in the service, all of a sudden those little babies, sometimes they aren't so cute. But you get two or three of them crying in the service. Now, maybe don't love them. But we got parts up there that you don't see that help those babies be blessed. They're teaching them Jesus loves you. Amen. So anyway, with all that said, that's how God works in a church family. Some of your parts are very visible, but most of the parts in my body that are most important parts, you never see. You don't even know they're there unless they malfunction in the church. You don't see most of what goes on here. All you see is the good stuff on the outside. That's like this morning when I did my faith hair. Man, I worked there. I told somebody, I said, I work on my hair for it. Do my teeth. <laughs> Amen. You're seeing all the glitter and all the shine in here. You're not seeing behind the scenes what made this happen. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to honor all of you that helped make this happen. And Mrs. Pastor is one of the biggies that makes this stuff happen. Let's give Mrs. Pastor a hand. See, I need help being turned on. So it's Katie's. Katie's well, I turn you on? Well, go lay down. Sit down or something. Go away. <laughs> Praise God. You're so adorable, dear. Okay. <laughs> we just want to reiterate that we are so thankful to the Lord, first of all. It's all the time. Am I on time? Now I'm on. Okay, cool deal. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. But we, all, we are also very thankful for you. And so um, this is a special recognition service, as Pastor talked about. But I need to talk to you about um, some things that are going to be eye-openers to you. Because a lot of you, you come in, you know, you come in on Sunday morning, you sit down, you have no idea what went on all week long. 
You know, a lot of times people have this, uh, <clears throat> I call it a stupid joke, where they say that, well, you know, pastors only work one hour a week or one day a week. Well, you ought to follow us around sometimes because um, it's like a 24-7. Yeah, we got home about 10 o'clock every night this week doing ministry stuff. So um, anyway, um, I want to um, talk to you a little bit about how we got here. Uh, the Lord transferred us, Pastor and I, here in 2005 from Indiana. So a lot of you are born and raised in Barstow in this area. We're not from here. We are now, but we weren't then. So he called us out of Indiana and the work we were doing there to come to Barstow in 2005. The church here was uh, 34 years old at the time. So this church has longevity in the years that it's been around. We were, the, I think, the fourth pastor. Um, the church is now 48 years old. And so we're super excited about all of that. Um, and in, we have, you know, we have your, mine, and ours kids but um, the four, our four younger children, Josh is the oldest of the youngest batch. We have two batches, so he's the oldest of the youngest batch. So when we raised all of our children, and this is for you parents and grandparents, we had a goal of Third John, uh, uh, verse one, uh, chapter one, verse four, that this is the end result that he wanted, we wanted for our children, and it's I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So that's a goal that you as parents need to shoot for. You know, I'll just give you a little clue. When, uh, you know, we were, we, were, we were married because we were believers and we got married for ministry reasons. God put us together. Amen. You know the Bible verse where it says, What well, God is joined together, let no man put asunder. Well, God doesn't join most people together, you know. You have to ask Him. You know what I'm saying? And so when God puts you together, he puts you together for a reason. And so anyway, he put us together. And so when our children, when I was carrying our children, I was praying for their mates, for their husbands and their wives while I was carrying my child. So all this starts from the get-go. You know what I'm saying? How you're going to raise your children up. And so... I told them as I was training them up, we either, we, it was our choice to either Christian school them or homeschool them. They were homeschooled most of the time. I think Josh was always homeschooled except for maybe a semester or a year. Same with David for a little bit. He wanted to play basketball. So his junior, senior year, we transferred him to a Christian school. And so he got to play basketball and be the big shot and all that kind of cool stuff. So that fulfilled his dream. <laughs> so he was able to do that. But still, it was in a Christian environment. Did we sacrifice to send them to Christian school? You better believe it. But, you know, there's priorities in life. You've got to figure out what yours are. Amen. So when we were raising our children, every decision, this is for you parents as well. This always comes out of me no matter what I talk about. Every decision that you make with these children, I'm some you pregnant moms out here, has to be with the final goal. What is the final goal that I want my child to look like when they're 18 years old? Amen. So that means that every single decision you make about their life from the moment they're not born, they're in, when they're in the womb, you're praying about it. You're praying about where they're going to go to school. You're even praying about where you're going to live. I always lived in the country. This, I don't want to offend anybody. 
I'm a country girl. I always wanted to live in the country because I didn't want all the, my kids associating with all the different neighborhood kids that weren't necessarily believers and bad peer influence and all that kind of stuff. That's why I raised them in the country so that I could have at my house who I wanted them to play with and their friends were the kids at church. Not all, not all kids at church are angels, believe me. You know, we've been through a few nightmares with kids, but, you know, that's the ideal. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I didn't, we didn't raise them up to be ministers. We raised them up to be whatever God called them to be, so that when they were 18 years old, they made the decision, am I going to trade school? Am I going to college? What am I going to do? And that whatever decision that they were, that they were to be, in their community, the person of the most honesty, the person of the most integrity in their community, the Christian, everybody knew they were a Christian. They had to have a reputation in their community that they were believers. You could count on them, you could trust them, etc. So that's how we raised our children. So that you, you just may need to do a little fine tuning fine-tuning on maybe decisions that you're making about your children. And being in church was never a question. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, other times during the week, we were in church. They never questioned us. Do we have to go to church today, Mom? Or are we going to church today, Mom? Or I don't want, I don't want to go. Never once came out of their mouth. It was our lifestyle. It's Sunday. It's church day. And they knew it. And your kids are the same way. They're not griping with you about going to church. No, because it's, it's, they love it. And in fact, Desiree was telling me the other day that their family went away on a little weekend vacation and their kids, their children griped because they weren't in church. They didn't want to be on vacation. They wanted to be at church. So see, that's the name of the game. You've got to raise children to serve God all the days of their life. So Pastor and I were married in 1982, as I told you with the a specific goal of serving the Lord together. That was our heart. And when we were married, um, well, actually, in 1992, um, we pioneered uh, Joy Living Christian Center in Indiana. We were not a church plant. A lot of times you hear about church plants where a big church will take a pastor and a lady and they'll plant them somewhere and they'll send part of their congregation and they'll send tons of money and so they're good to go from the get-go, you know. But when we pioneered, it was he and I and our kids. In fact, I knew he had a call of God in his life. This is a help meet lesson for somebody. I knew he had a call of God in his life, and I said, look, and he was driving a truck at the time, and I said, look, if I, find a, if I rent a place and I advertise for a church, will you preach and teach there. And he said, I'll do it one time. If there's no people and there's no money, I'm not doing it again. So I had a little hand typewriter. It wasn't electric. It wasn't a computer. It was a manual typewriter. And I did some clip art and I typed up some flyers. I went to the YMCA, Martinsville, Indiana, and I rented two rooms. Stinky sneakers and all. One room was for children. One room was for us. So we were in this crowded classroom. So 
We had flyers all around town, and we showed up at the YMCA that day. We paid for it. We didn't know who was going to show up. We weren't from that area. And 30 people showed up that day. There were 600, there was $600 in the offering. That was the beginning. That's pretty cool. And so with the first service we sang with a tape recorder, you know. Pastor, as he said, does not sing at all. Did you sing it that day? No. Uh, anyway, God is so merciful. That first day, an older woman came in, a grandmother came in with her son, his wife, and five children. And she told us after the service, she said, my son is a praise and worship leader. And he was awesome. He died young, so it makes me cry every time. Yeah, it makes me cry every time I think about him. But God, in his mercy, sent the music to us, you know, day one. So anyway, um, before the time that we were in full-time ministry, we uh, went to a big word church in Indianapolis. This was when they, some of you folks will remember the charismatic removal when it flew through in the uh, 70s, 60s, 70s. Um, there was a big word church. Actually, our pastor's name was Jerry Landry. And he went to John Osteen's church, Joel Osteen's dad, in Texas. God sent them from Texas to Indianapolis to start a word church. The church grew to be 500 people. And that's where we went to church. And when we were in our, when we were, when we were sheep, you know, congregation members, we worked in every area of ministry that you can think of. Ministry of helps. That's why we know how to do it. That's why I know, knew how to write all these manuals that I've written over the years for our Ministry of Helps areas to train other people. But we ourselves had hand on, we were ushers, we were greeters, we were head over the nursery in a 500 member church. He'd work the nursery with us. We'd do puppets. We'd, do, you know, we did everything. Everything in that church. What? What? Oh, he, yeah, he taught healing school up there. I mean, everything that we, you know, we had hands-on training in our local church. And then the Lord called, called us to pioneer. Um, most of the time we drove 35 miles one way to get to church. When we moved to southern Indiana, we drove 50 miles one way to get to church. So how important is God in his house to you? You know, I'm just asking you the question. So anyway, so that's how we got here. Now, I, uh, I want to call up our pastoral staff. So if the pastoral staff will come up here, I want to introduce them to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.